Welcome to Commando On Demand Insider with Kim Commando. Your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and there was a tweet a while back called DC Blackout, or hashtag DC Blackout, that went viral about the rioting in Washington, D.C., and this particular tweet was actually completely bogus. It was made up. We're going to hear more about that. But more specifically, the whole phenomenon of social media disinformation and misinformation. Kim's special guest today is Darren Linville. He's an associate professor of communications at Clemson University. He studies social media misinformation, how it gets started, and if you can spot it, what can be done about it. Is misinformation spreading on Facebook? Is it getting worse? Are there any sides to tell if there is misinformation on a social media post? And are people getting more hateful on social media? We're going to cover all of that today on Commando On Demand. First of all, this is not the Kim Commando Show. That show is broadcast three hours nationwide and worldwide on American Forces Radio Network. Every ship at sea gets the Kim Commando Show. And, of course, we're on over 400 radio stations nationwide. And if you'd like to listen to the podcast of the Kim Commando Show, we have that for you as well. As a matter of fact, you can get a 30-day free trial at GetKim.com by using promo code KIM. Again, that's GetKim.com. Use promo code KIM, and you can listen to the whole show on your schedule. But today, it's Commando on Demand and social media misinformation with our guest, Darren Linville, just ahead. I read a story recently in the Washington Post about how the hashtag DC Blackout was started by a brand new account with three followers, and then it suddenly snowballed into a trend. It generated about a half a million tweets in its first nine hours after it was just created. And as the Post reports, the thread grew with untrue claims that authorities had blocked protesters from communicating using their smartphones in order to crack down on the looting and the fires. So several Twitter accounts shared images of a major fire burning out of control near the Washington Monument. It looked totally legit. But here's the deal. The image was from a TV show called Designated Survivor, so it wasn't exactly happening. And joining us here on this podcast is Darren Linville. Darren's an associate professor of communication at Clemson University who studies social media misinformation. And gosh, there's just a ton of it lately. Hey, Darren, appreciate you spending some time with us to shed light on this really important issue. How does something like this hashtag explode when... People like me, I've got, I don't know, 60,000 Twitter followers. There's no way that I could ever generate that kind of traction, but a fake account can. Yeah, I I agree, Kim. It's it's remarkable. You know, I had 40 retweets the other day for something I tweeted, and I was thrilled. You know, that was that was great for me. Yes. Um, But this 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 DC blackout hashtag was remarkable at at two in the morning uh, last Monday, the first they were able to generate 50,000 tweets in the first hour. Um, But, you know, they didn't do this with just one account that had a few followers. They did it with a number of fake accounts. Um, And they also used uh, very likely what was thousands of hacked accounts as well. So they got access to to real people's Twitter's accounts and uh, utilized those accounts to tweet out this hashtag and and the false information that accompanies this hashtag. 
It, it so, was it was a really well orchestrated, well executed campaign. So, any sense on how many accounts were needed to generate that type of traffic? Um, it's really difficult for us to say. You know, the the bad actors in this space. Um, my belief is this was likely uh, a foreign nation, um, but the bad actors in the space are getting really. Uh, sophisticated. Their skills have increased, uh, and they don't use the same techniques that that they did just a few years ago. Um, you know, the, the happy days for disinformation are over. It's not easy for them anymore, so they're ha- they're having to get more sophisticated. Um, but based off of the research we were able to do here at Clemson on these on these accounts, uh, our our best guess is it was several hundreds of fake accounts, um, and and probably thousands of hacked accounts. I mean, uh, just to put it in perspective, I knew somebody personally here at Clemson who who was affected, who had their account hacked um, and had that hashtag tweeted out. And so if I know somebody personally, you know, the odds of that are, are relatively low. Um, but, you know, it's also very, very difficult to, to give firm numbers, especially on the hacked accounts, because that's very hard for, to track. That's even hard for the platforms to, to give an estimate on how many people may have been affected uh, because there's no good way to collect that data. So now we, you know, we talk about Twitter. Is the same thing happening on Facebook? Oh yes, most definitely. Um, we know a lot about, for instance, what the Russian Internet Research Agency—that uh, is the organization made made famous by the Mueller investigation. Uh, we know a lot about what they did back in 2016. I've gotten access to a great deal of data. Um, from Facebook, which includes Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts. Um, so we know a lot about what they did back then. Uh, that organization was, was active across a number of different platforms. Reddit, um, they were even on Pokemon Go, if you've ever heard no. of that game. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah they, had, they, they, were, they were active on all kinds of platforms. If they thought they could reach Americans, they would go to that platform. They had uh, even websites. Uh, podcasts. They had they had a Stitcher podcast um, active for some time, um, but we do know that that these organizations are still active on all the major platforms today. Just back in October of last year, so late last year, uh, Facebook uh, released about thirty Instagram accounts, many of them with tens of thousands of followers, uh, that they attributed to. What they said was Russian actors, but reading between the lines, it was almost certainly the Internet Research Agency out of St. Petersburg. It's, it's astounding to me that, that we have this type of activity that's happening, and there's really no way to control it once it explodes, once it starts. Yeah, it, it's very difficult. And they, they use a number of different techniques. So, uh, for instance, the Russians use these sort of ongoing influence accounts. Um, we worked with Twitter uh, and Facebook to shut down an operation that they were funding in West Africa just last March. Um, CNN did an investigation and actually went to Accra, Ghana, where they spoke to some of the people that were operating these accounts on behalf of Russia. Um, but those were more ongoing influence accounts. Those accounts were engaging in Black Lives Matter community conversations, um, also in the LGBTQ community here in the United States, and they were pretending to be Americans. Um, we know that 
the Russians still operate very similar accounts in St. Petersburg. Um, whereas this DC blackout was a very different thing. It wasn't an ongoing influence operation. It was a it was a, a sort of one-time event that they tried to create using a number of fake accounts and, and hacked accounts. And uh, they were they were trying to influence what was happening and the way people were perceiving the protests. What they did with the DC blackout was particularly fascinating because they were trying to, you know, skew our very perception of reality. So at two in the morning, they created this hashtag, started it trending with a lot of the, the sort of images that you alluded to earlier with the explosion near the Washington Monument and this narrative that police had shut down social media and shut down cell phones in D.C. so that they could get away with more violence. And but then around 9 a.m. when America really started waking up and people were saying, hey, this isn't happening. I live in D.C. Uh, right. This isn't actually a thing. You know, my my cell phone was working all night. Um, they took one of those tweets from somebody who said that this didn't happen. And they repeated that tweet verbatim on a couple of hundred other hacked and fake accounts. And then they did a funny thing. They took a third set of accounts and they took images of that verbatim message where someone had said, uh, you know, this isn't real. This isn't happening. Wow. Clips of, of that message repeated on a number of different accounts. And this third set of accounts said, oh, hey, look, the bots are saying it isn't real. Somebody's oh, programmed Twitter bots to say it isn't real. It must be true. Wow. And that is That's... how they undermine our very understanding of reality. Okay. That is fascinating to me that it would go to that extent. Yeah. It was a really well thought out, really well executed campaign and really, frankly, quite smart. I, I, hate, I hate to give them too much credit, but right? uh, you almost have to respect it. Yeah. I mean, to go to, to take it to that, those many levels and to bring yeah. the bots into play because we all know that the bots are there and we all exactly. know that the algorithms don't really catch the bots. Exactly. And honestly, Kim, I think that's one of the biggest impacts that disinformation on social media has had on all of us, um, in particular what the Russians did in 2016. It's caused us to distrust other people. It's so easy now to disagree with somebody on social media and say, I disagree with you, not because you have a different perspective, but because you're not even a real person. We can, we can dismiss viewpoints we disagree with as, as coming from, from bots rather than people with genuine other perspectives. And I think that has, is going to have some long-term consequences that, that we're going to have to face. Hey, don't forget, if you've got a question about something digital, you can get Kim's unbiased advice. And it's advice that you can trust. 
America's digital pro, Kim Commando, and our nationally syndicated radio show. You just go to commander.com, and in the upper right-hand corner, click on the Be a Caller button. We're going to ask you your name and for a couple of details about your question. And then Manny will get in touch with you. We'll set up a time where you can be on the show, ask your question on the show. It is fun. You can call your friends and let them know that you're going to be on the show. And that's, again, the Be a Caller button in the upper right at commando.com. All right, coming up next, it's more of Kim's conversation with Darren Linville, the Associate Professor of Communications at Clemson University, studies social media information. And coming up, are there any signs to tell if there is uh, misinformation on a social media post? Later on, are people getting more hateful online? It's all coming up on Commando On Demand Insider. So is this the first time you saw such a campaign so well executed? Um, to be quite honest, no. I mean, you know, we've been doing this work for a number of years. Um, we've traced similar campaigns. Uh, we've traced campaigns that we've attributed to China. Back uh, in in the fall, we we did an analysis looking at how China was responding to uh, the NBA. I don't know if you remember this story, but uh, the the manager of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, tweeted out uh, a tweet. It was it was fairly ho hum, but a, a, a tweet supporting democracy in Hong Kong. Um, and in the week after that tweet, the Chinese created a thousand accounts a day. And the first thing each of those accounts did was tweet at Daryl Morey, attacking Daryl Morey. Many of many of the tweets were actually attacking Daryl Morey's mother uh, for some reason. But they did that in order to to shout down that perspective and that viewpoint. Um, and and it was it was it was impressive again, just at its sheer volume. Um, and we've seen other similar account, uh, tactics like that. But I, I do have to say that this uh, DC blackout campaign is one of the most sophisticated I've seen in terms of uh, the breadth of tactics they deployed all at one time. Just the sheer number of fake accounts uh, and hacked accounts simultaneously uh, sowing additional confusion uh, was, I think, a step in a new direction for disinformation. Which you you know it as well as I did, Darren. That if they can do this, they can do a whole bunch more damage. Oh sure. Uh, I mean, this is what we saw. Goodness knows what we're not seeing every day uh, that bad actors are getting away with. It's very exactly. hard to spot. Yeah. And so, and that was my next question to you. Like, are there any telltale signs? And and my my gut is telling me that the answer is no. But I'm hoping that. That somebody in your position, Darren, can say, okay, if it does this, if it moves like this, it looks like this, maybe it's a duck, maybe it's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, first I have to say that most accounts on social media and most content and most everything you read on social media is real. It's a real person uh, expressing a real viewpoint. It it might be a misguided viewpoint. It, It might be... Uh, repeating misinformation, but it's it's usually a real person. Um, so you know it it is dangerous to assume the worst. Um, but there are some things you can look for, and some things that one should just generally be careful of. 
you know, some of the easy things are always be careful if you're looking at a brand new account or account an account that's only tweeted a few times. Um, the most the, the most obvious is just be careful of anonymity. Be careful of an, if an account doesn't tell you who it is, where they're from, anything about them, doesn't have a real picture of themselves. Because while there's many important and valid reasons for being anonymous on social media, and you know, I know many people that have accounts that they choose to remain anonymous, it is something you should be careful of because the trolls, they're always anonymous. Um, you know, I think I usually try to tell people that the rules online aren't any different than the real world. You know, the, the digital space is fundamentally the same in a lot of ways. So my mom, when I was growing up, she wouldn't let me walk just a few blocks. To... I had to get on the bus every morning, and, and you know the bus ride took much longer than the walk would have taken me <laughs> because she was afraid I was going to be kidnapped by a man in a white van. But, you know, it, my mother's generation today, they're very quick to engage with strangers online in ways that they never have and never would in the real world. You know, you would never hand a stranger your microphone, especially if that stranger was, was wearing a mask. But, you know, we do that on social media every day. We, we give power to trolls, we give power to strangers by lending them our voice and by lending them our followers. And, and that's what they want access to, to spread their influence, is your, in, your followers. I've even seen, you know, quite famous people, journalists uh, and stars, repeat troll messages without being aware of it. I, I saw, you know, LeBron James just a few months ago retweeted an account that I knew to be a Russian troll, and he has millions of followers. That's exactly what they're trying to accomplish is, is reaching uh, those followers. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is I did a USA Today column about 5G conspiracies and how they're spreading online. And I mentioned John Cusack, who had said that uh, that 5G, you know, had was was spreading coronavirus. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not really sure how for John Cusack as an actor, but uh, <laughs> yes. it is funny how often I run across him in my research. Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, but, but then his people reached out to me and said, he didn't really kind of mean that, you know, it wasn't exactly what he said, but I'm like, you know, just forget it. It's already out there. It's already been spread. Uh, yeah. And I think that's you're... something we all have to realize once, yeah. once you repeat a message, it's out there. You can't take it back. And that you can't trust somebody who I think he graduated from seventh or eighth grade and to the best of my knowledge, never got a degree in medicine or uh, science or anything like that. that yeah. Just because you, you put somebody they, on social media and, and, and suddenly they're an expert in everything. Which is, which is just ludicrous, but people believe that and then people will spread it. If you love the digital lifestyle and love keeping up with all the breaking tech news and security alerts and data breaches so you can tell your friends and family kind of what's going on and what to watch out for, we've got you covered with the Commando newsletters. They keep you right up to date, and you can get yours at commando.com, which is K-O-M-A-N-D-O. And on the top, click on the Get the Newsletter button. 
And it's a double opt-in. So we'll send you an email to make sure that you want the newsletters and then you got them. We've got also specialty newsletters about Apple and Android, many, many others, including The Current, which is just what it says. It keeps you up to date on what's going on. And there is no advertising in The Current. It is read it just as you get it. And again, that's at commando.com, K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. Try it out and see if you like it. We believe you will. It's at commando.com, K-O-M-A-N-D-O. All right, part three of Kim's conversation with Darren Linville, an associate professor of communications at Clemson University. We're going to find out what our role is in spreading this fake information on social media and important advice on how you can avoid being a part of the social media misinformation phenomenon. Next on Commando On Demand. I don't know if maybe it's just me, but I've noticed that people seem to be are, are getting angrier and more hateful. And I just want to use the word uglier when it comes time to responding. In your research, have you seen that? That's that's a really difficult thing to measure, honestly. Um, and 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 I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> but, you know, personally, I have I've had that same sense. But you're also alluding to sort of a another important point, and that is the role that we ourselves play in spreading misinformation, um, whether it's, you know, regular Americans who are doing it for profit, you know, folks like uh, Alex Jones or websites like naturalnews.com that, that, that spread salacious information. That sort of thing spreads across social media quite quickly, um, and and we have to be careful when when we're spreading messages that you know haven't been verified by multiple sources. So just as one example, last week uh, in the in the wake of the protests, there was a story. It, it wasn't as we did research. We looked. It wasn't spread by any kind of purposeful troll campaign. It, it seemed to be spread by Real Americans, this hashtag bait bricks. There was this story going around that, uh, and it, it depended on who you, you were listening to. Uh, folks on the left said that police and people on the right were leaving bricks for protesters to find and, and inflame conflict. Um, and people on the right said that protesters were leaving piles of bricks to throw and inflame conflict. When the truth was, and a number of people went and looked into this, it seemed to be the folks that were leaving bricks were construction workers, not surprisingly. I mean, you know, bricks are the sort of thing that you don't see them in, until they're suddenly important, um, and then they're all over an urban environment. Um, but that started on Tuesday, and by Thursday, you know, it was in Rolling Stone and in in mainstream media and, and a story that, that was being spread. Even the White House retweeted uh, a story suggesting that Antifa was responsible for these bait bricks, when in wow. fact it was, it was just another story that, that innocent people believed at the time. It's hard because you want to be able to go online and engage and, uh, and be part of a movement, and but yet you're being manipulated by other forces. And I don't, 
you know, and, and people, I don't think a lot of people realize that that's even happening. Absolutely. I, I think that it's, it's really important for each individual to, to cultivate the social media sources that they trust. You know, explore those sources carefully. You know, try to understand where they get their information. Because, you know, disinformation, it, it's a process. You know, it isn't a one-time thing. We have, we have to know where these stories are coming from and, and how they're arriving to us. Why is a particular message arriving to us? How is it coming into our feed? And, and before you hit retweet, before you hit share, it's just very important to think about that message and where it came from and why we're seeing it. Um, because, you know, not necessarily often, but sometimes it's there for nefarious reasons. Very good advice, Darren. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Um, I think that we need to be particularly careful. You know, we there's been lots of conversations about how disinformation and misinformation has affected conversations around coronavirus. Um, and certainly in the past two weeks, we've had those same conversations about how misinformation and disinformation has affected perceptions of the protests. Um, but I think we're going to need to be particularly careful moving in to the fall because, you know, Bad actors, especially state actors, the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, they've had four years to prepare for November. And they're going to have something planned. Um, and it's going to make this, you know, D.C. blackout trick from last Monday look like small potatoes. I mean, I don't want to scare people, obviously. But we have to be careful, and we have to be careful with how we engage with people and who we engage with on social media. Build those accounts that you trust, understand them, and don't retweet or share a message flippantly. Think about it before you hit, hit that button. You know, just mentioning with the elections coming up, and it is frightening that I'm sure they have a whole game plan already set up. Um, Darren, thank you for giving us an inside look into social misinformation and the ways that we can react and the ways that we can deal with it. Um, so fascinating and instructional at the same time. Thank you again. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for listening to Commando On Demand. Special thanks to our guest, Darren Linville, the Associate Professor of Communications at Clemson University who studies social media misinformation. We're going to have Darren on later this year as we get into the election and all the misinformation that's going to be surrounding that on social media. So you can look for that podcast in the future. And thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. If you haven't already, you'll get these podcasts directly to your device every single week. And we'll see you next time for another Commando On Demand Insider.